everyone and welcome to the So What About Faith podcast. My name is Moyo and in this space I discuss my experience navigating faith as a Gen Z believer. From the mistakes I've made to the lessons I've learned, all in a bit to awaken, exhort, encourage and comfort you. Hello everyone and welcome back to the So What About Faith podcast with me, Moyo Adeliji. I would first like to say a huge thank you to every single person who has liked, shared, reposted, commented, messaged me privately just to say how the first episode was such a huge blessing. I was very like skeptical about sharing my life story, but I'm really, really grateful for like the feedback um, and how a lot of people said that they could relate um, to what I shared. Um, today, I'm back with another episode, and this is actually my first guest interview, so I'm so excited because, like, this this episode is about to be packed, like, loaded. If you have, like, a pen, get a pen, a glass of water, tea, whatever, just get something um, to calm yourself down and something you can take notes with because it's about to be very insightful. I have with me today one of my amazing friends I've known since secondary school and she is a very very sound teacher of the word of God um and somebody who actually like lets the word of God impact her life like I can see the she's not just oh like I'm a Christian she doesn't just say she's a Christian but I can actually see the impact in her life um and she's a theologian hence why she's on here today because we're talking about the Bible um, but in her spare time, so she's a full-time theologian, but in her spare time, she's also a consultant. So yeah, you guys, welcome, Sarah <laughs> Please, I love that. <laughs> Not consultant in my spare time. <laughs> uh, thank you, Muyo. Um, thank you for that very, very kind introduction, which I was feeling shy, and I don't normally feel shy. I was just like, wow, who is this girl she's talking about? I want to be her. Um, well, thank you for having me on here. I am super, super excited to get into today's topic with you. And also nice to meet all of our listeners. Right. Good one in Nigeria, my people. My people in Nigeria. <laughs> okay, so let's just get straight into it. Um, the first question I obviously have, and I think people have as well, is how did you become a theologian? And for anyone who is wondering, a theologian is, according to Google, because I, I even had to look for the meaning, um, <laughs> a theologian is someone who dedicates his or her life to the scholastic vocation of seeking after knowledge of God and um, the things of God. <laughs> so please, can you tell us how you devote your life to <laughs> Well, you know, first thing I was going to say is maybe you should stop calling me a theologian because, you know, like, technically I'm not one. But I think according to that um, definition, not to give myself any title, but okay, that's kind of what I do. Um, But how did I get here? Honestly, I don't really, (laughs) I I don't really have, like, a big story to it. Um, I never, like, woke up one day and said... I want to, you know, become an expert matter in all things Bible related. You know, I want to I want people to be coming to ask me questions and inviting me on podcasts. 
um, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> I think it was just a combination of two things. So the first is um, my natural curiosity towards history and towards um, kind of getting getting to the bottom of things and being able to explain and defend things combined with my love for God and just the desire to know him as closely and as correctly as I can and I think that second part about knowing God correctly is what's really driven my interest in um in the Bible because I want to make sure that what I'm learning about God you know 2000 4000 plus years after the Bible was written is what he actually meant when um he wrote it through people in the past Wow, wow, I, I really um I hold it just now. The first thing you the first point you made rather about wanting to get like to the root of things, I can vouch for that. That's like the word I was looking for. Because right from high school you guys when I tell you Sarah is one of those people that the teacher would say something and she'll raise up her hand and say, Well, I don't think you know what you're asking. <laughs> what oh you're my asking. god. <laughs> So she would also ask like, the teacher itself would not even know. So they will now be like, okay, if you just should take it as your form. So she's one of those people that she would challenge like your your knowledge of things and she would ask questions. Like she won't just take things, you know, you know, like at face value or whatever. She's always asking questions, always seeking, you know, for deeper knowledge and deeper revelation. And so I would say that, you know, maybe like not even maybe but it's clear that God is very intentional when he's creating us and the things that we sometimes look at in our lives and like dislike or the, the, sometimes you know we can wonder why we're made a certain way like oh why am I always the one asking questions why mm-hmm. am I the one, you know like mm-hmm. thinking deeply right now I just take things at face value like God actually made you like yeah. that because at some point in your life he was going to use you to defend the word of God and for you to defend the word of God you have to have a deep conviction of it so thank you for Her. sharing that snapping fingers <laughs> okay so I think um one of the first questions that everyone has is who wrote the bible like who wrote it when was it written and where because I mean <laughs> like everywhere you look today there is one version of the, of the bible or the other so is it KJV that wrote it is it message is it NIV like or, any of these <laughs> or were they just publishers like please tell, tell us a bit about that yeah so that is um a, a question that has a bit of a complex answer which I will try to simplify as much as possible so um the the first part who wrote the bible when was it written where was it written the bible was written by a number of people actually um i think about 40 men across the span of i want to say 2000 years um but don't quote me google will have more accurate data than i do um and yeah i think maybe this might surprise people that the bible wasn't written like all in one go but essentially what the bible is is it is a collection of um different books that were written at different points in time so i'll get a bit nerdy but um the word bible comes from the latin word biblio and it means library so uh 
for those of you who speak French, I believe the the word for library in French is bibliothèque or is it bibliothèque? Hey God, let me not embarrass myself yes. on the internet too. I can, I can confirm that. You see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but that's just to show you know because um they, they both languages have latin roots so um yeah so the bible is not actually just one book but it's a combination of smaller books that were written by different people um some examples are the first five books of the bible genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy which scholars believe were written by moses and this would have been at the time um, when he was leading the people of Israel, so sometime after they left Egypt, or well, after they left Egypt and before he died, and then um, the belief is that from Joshua, that you know Joshua wrote Joshua, and you know different people wrote different things after that. Um, sometimes you can tell who wrote the book by the name. That's the case when we get to the prophets um, section of the oh. Old Testament. So we have Isaiah, Jeremiah. <laughs> Ezekiel, Hosea, um, Zephaniah, Zechariah, da, 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 da. those are books that are named after the prophet. Um, and I think this is something that's, that I find a bit interesting is that it wasn't always the prophet who literally penned them down. So, for example, with Jeremiah, the book actually notes that Jeremiah had a scribe named Baruch. And so Jeremiah, because what would happen with prophecy um, in the olden days or in the old testament is that prophecy was spoken so um the prophets would actually like stand in the streets of jerusalem or wherever god sent them and they would speak the prophecy sometimes they would act it out if you look at ezekiel god asked him to do a lot of really weird things um but that was him prophesying that was him that was how god wanted him to convey the message so they didn't like sit in a room the way we might imagine them and write out a score exactly they actually you know spoke it and then they would have a scribe who would record what they had said so that's mostly the old testament the new testament is slightly different because um it, i think it was more it was more intentionally penned down so when we look at the letters for example those were you know letters we all studied english in school we learned how to write letters it was communication between usually um, an apostle and a church that's the case with most of paul's letters so romans to the church in rome um, i'm not sure the location where paul wrote romans from but most times he was writing to these churches from another church or sometimes he was writing from prison um, paul wrote one of his letters to timothy from prison that's just as an example um sometimes we have sometimes in the letter the the writer will say where they were writing from so when um john wrote the book of revelation he in the introduction he said i was on the island of patmos when this happened so so and so on um other times it is based on the historical contextual evidence that we have so based on external sources that are not the bible historians have found that okay um john for example was based in ephesus that was his home church he wasn't like paul who moved around he was based in ephesus and so we can infer or make the assumption that his letters were written from ephesus between maybe um 60 ad to 100 ad uh, it's the same process that historians used to estimate when other historical documents 
um, were written based on like carbon dating of the scrolls and contextual evidence that leads us to estimate when um, certain parts, when and where certain parts of the Bible were written. And I said I would answer <laughs> simply. I hope that was um, concise enough. But yeah, that's, that's, that's in a nutshell my answer. That was really, really good. And I love how you even broke it down, like, you know, specified books, the prophets, the letters, like that gave a lot of um, insight into like the different times and like, um, yeah, different times and different seasons. Um, and I actually wanted to ask, so if the Bible was written like over 2000 years ago, right? Like, how does it apply or how is it relevant to me today? Because this is 2022, going up 23. And so why should I believe anything that was written by people that I don't know, people that I've never mm. met, you know? Like, what yeah. is, like, like, why is it relevant to me today? Mm. That is a really good question, um, Moyo five marks for you and I'm sure it's one that a lot of people even Christians have asked themselves and struggled with and I think you know to put it simply you should you should care or it's relevant to us today because of this subject matter of the Bible and I'll explain um the subject matter of the Bible is God's relationship with human beings it is the relationship between us and God um, and and human nature, really. And that is something that stays the same. It doesn't change across time. Now, if you're looking, if you're reading the Bible because you want to, I don't know, learn how to build a house or you want to learn about technological advancements, then you'll be reading the wrong book because... Nothing for you. Not, <laughs> nothing for you. Like... <laughs> I think they were just um starting to use toilets when the New Testament <laughs> was written. So Not like you, minute, bro, you will be you'll be millennia behind. You know, so it's it's all about what you're reading the Bible for. We're not looking to the Bible for um technological developments. We're not even looking to the Bible for a complete view of history. And that's something that's really important because the Bible is selective. The Bible doesn't record, you know, everything that that happened and there's even a period between the old testament and the new testament i believe it was 400 years i want to say that um you know god didn't speak to his people so there was there are no writings there were no prophets during that time but things happened in the world during those 400 years but that's not from god's point of view it's not integral to the story that he wants to tell um so yeah so so it's not you know about technology it's not about history incompleteness what it is about is humans our nature um and our relationship with god and like i said that's something that never changes very early on in the bible we have the first murder you know when cain killed his brother abel until today human beings are murdering one another so like if the bible is trying to stop people from murdering it was relevant back then it's still relevant today the bible speaks about adultery so today people are cheating on their spouses you know it speaks about 
family relationships, parents and their children, um, speaks about relating to people that, you know, you live around, people that you work for, all of those things are still relevant and will continue to be relevant so long as human life exists on earth because there are some fundamental, there are fundamentals about, you know, human beings, about the way we were created that don't change across time. And of course, neither does God. Um, he stays the same. So whatever was true of God 2000 years ago is still true of him today. I love, I love, um, I love those examples you give, especially about like murder, you know, adultery, all these things are even more, I feel like they're even more like, um, yes, they're more like, rampant. They're more rampant now. We're just getting worse and worse. <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, in fact, let me even give this example. Like, last week, so I was reading, like, I've been reading the book of Genesis, and it's such, honestly, Genesis is a really, really good book to read because it has so many lessons about, like, life, and you can just see, like, how family, family dynamics, um, like, come mm. So there was a part about, like, um, um, when the prince of Shechem or I don't even know king or whatever basically raped um Dina and I was like wow like even like rape the Bible even talks about rape the Bible talks about um I remember Joseph not Joseph but like Jacob and his whole um I don't even know what to call it like his whole relationship or situationship with his father-in-law and how his father-in-law was like <laughs> yes problems with in-laws they've been around problems with in-laws like <laughs> they haven't reached in-laws like the bible actually talks about that like literally every everything you can think of um is there and even though it might not be written like verbatim like oh um i don't know written in like black and white there are still stories that kind of like allude to these things or even mention it. And like Tarari said, everything that is written in the Bible is very intentional. The things that are not there, it just means that the things that are not written down are, are not beneficial to us, essentially. So everything that mm. is written down like in black and white, yeah. it might not just have been relevant to how we're living um, now. And there's this quote that my pastor, I'm just going to put and my pastor very quickly and she she said she said this um one one time that she was preaching and I wrote it down and she basically said that the Bible contains um the Bible contains information about flawed people not so that we imitate them but so that we can see that God uses imperfect people to achieve his perfect will. I love that. And I feel like that just summarizes everything that you know Tarari just shared like because some people believe that oh okay if um Jacob's father in law cheated him then what's wrong in, in me doing that you guess like mm -mm, that wasn't written so that you can imitate that's not the point <laughs> <laughs> you're missing the point <laughs> you get like you're not supposed to go and now start cheating everyone else no it's so that you can see that God uses imperfect people for his perfect will um and even Second Timothy three sixteen, which is the last um, scripture that I would use to kind of summarize everything that we said, it says that 
all scripture is given by God and other versions say that it was inspired by God. So even though God himself didn't write down scripture, by his spirit, right, people were inspired to, to write it. Um, and it is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching us the right way to live. Using the scriptures, those who serve God will be prepared and will have everything they need to do every good work. Amen. 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 Okay. So great stuff. Now on to the next question. My next question for you, Tarari, is um the Bible now does the Bible contradict itself? Does the Bible contradict itself? Because in Genesis, you would see like let's say Genesis 32. For example, it talks about how um, Jacob Jacob had like this you know encounter with God, and he was like, "Oh, I've seen God face to face. Um, yet my life has been spared, right?" And then you go to like John one, and then it literally says that you know no one has seen God God face to face and lived. And so we yeah. have people wonder like, um, how credible is the Bible? Because one verse says something, and then the next verse says another thing. So how do you reconcile all these like quote-unquote contradictory like points Mm. honestly that is it's a bit of a tough one and the first thing I would say is that excuse me does the bible contradict itself to answer the question simply I would say it does not but at times it can look that way for a variety of reasons. Okay. Um, and one of those reasons I think is often taking taking scripture in isolation or zooming into things without applying like context and a, a wider lens throughout the Bible. So the okay. example that you've given I think is a really good way to show this of um, you know no one having seen God. And, you know, the Bible, you know, shows us that Jesus Christ is the son of God and is, in fact, God himself. Yet we know that Jesus walked the earth um, and lived with people, lived with his disciples for three years, you know, in addition to the life, the years he had been alive beforehand. And I just want to throw this in because I, I was actually quite, or I've been quite surprised to hear that. Some people are unsure as to whether Jesus actually existed. Um, I just want you to know that Jesus is a historical figure the same way Julius Caesar is, the same way Socrates is. I mean, not that they're the same, but as in he he existed. Like you ask any, you ask the lowest tier historian and they will tell you that Jesus was a real person because there's evidence for his existence when we want to start talking about whether he's God or not, that's a different conversation, but (laughs) I just want to start there. So anyway, my point is that if we believe that Jesus Christ is God, how was he able to walk and talk and live with people and they saw him? Does that not mean that they've seen God? And, you know, how are they still alive? And then we take that with um, the second verse you read, that no one has seen God. I believe that verse was from the New Testament, right? Yes. Exactly. So it's it's then interesting that somebody who 
had seen Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then turns around and says, but no one has seen God. Um, and I feel like I haven't really shown how it's not a contradiction, but my point is that often, like, if we just zoom out and apply a bit of common sense, like, these people were not stupid. Um, they were not, They no one will go around trying to, like, contradict themselves. So there must obviously be something deeper to it. And I think that at least in my experience, I find that when you kind of dig deeper, um, you will kind of see the nuances between what they're saying. So with this example of seeing God, I've, from like my study of the Bible, um, and just hearing people preach, you hear about like the glory of God. Yeah. And how that is um overwhelming to human beings and we basically can't like comprehend it. And so sorry, sorry, you know literally that <laughs> <laughs> simple choice service one to just feel the room. Everybody will be crying, screaming, <laughs> falling down. You get yeah. like, literally. Now imagine if that was like an everyday experience. We can't we can't handle the weight of mm-hmm. But does that mean that if people are not falling down, that you know, the Holy Spirit is not there? Yeah, no, it doesn't. And so I think what we can um decipher from that is that God oh, I don't want to say something that you know people take as a false doctrine, but that there are different levels to seeing God or different tiers to seeing God. Yeah. So um in the old testament a lot of times God took the form of man yeah. to appear to people. And I believe the reason based on again what we've seen in the Bible is that you like God, how do I explain it? When Moses went up to the mountain and he came down, his face was shining. Like yeah. that is a level of the glory of God that Jacob did not see because he didn't have that same reaction or that the disciples did not experience when Jesus was walking on earth. But when Jesus ascended into heaven and took on his glory again he looks different the jesus that appeared to paul is not the same jesus that had been walking the earth because this new jesus when he appeared to paul um in the book of acts paul was blinded like mm, when wow. jesus was walking doing wow. his ministry for three years nobody was nobody blinded was by blinded. looking at him <laughs> do, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what i mean um so there's there's levels to the glory of god um, which I believe kind of speaks to that whole nobody has seen God because we cannot actually behold God in the fullness of his glory, I believe, um, whilst we are in this um, kind of mortal form. I, I believe that in heaven, my understanding of the Bible is that in heaven, like we will behold him um, completely, but as we are still earthbound, we cannot see God as that second scripture said. Um, but God can choose to take off that glory and interact with us, which is, you know, how Jacob said that he has seen God, how Abraham, how God came to visit Abraham in the form of three men. Should we start talking about how God can be three men? Like, let's <laughs> let's not even get into it. <laughs> wow. Uh, so no one has ever seen God like the Father, right? But if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I and I feel like even as you said that, it's so, it's so layered. And I, 
you know, like I said earlier, I'm someone who is very, very curious and mm. likes to have answers for things. So it even sometimes rubs me the wrong way to say this, but at the end of the day, there are just things about God that we can't comprehend, mm. that we can't understand. So if the Father and the Son are one, how can I see the Son? And I can't see the Father, the Father. or, you know, how can God appear like all these different things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, if God can appear as a shibri, he was a um, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, um, guiding the Israelites, like, who's to say what he can and cannot do? So speaking, um, speaking of, you know, taking scriptures out of context now, <laughs> I feel like there are a few scriptures that in this part of the world where I live in, <laughs> I've heard them so many in times. In Nigeria. <laughs> in case it was clear. And I just want to ask, like, for the correct interpretation, you know, of these verses, because I believe that, hmm, you know what, I don't want to, to start saying what I believe. I just, I just feel like we should just be reading the Bible in the context that it was written. It would save us a lot of stress, and a lot of people would stop thinking that Jesus is a lie. So, hmm. the first one that I want us to speak about is the most popular one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Please, can you provide the correct interpretation of this scripture for me and my homegirls? Yes, I can. And it's so funny how... This is why, like Moyo said, it's so important to read the Bible in context. Because let me give you the interpretation. And do you know what the interpretation is? Philippians 4.12. Most people oh. know Philippians 4.13. But you don't oh. know Philippians 4.12. Let me read it. I'm reading um NIV. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Some translations say I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So, whilst I don't want to, and this is something I've, let me just say, I've had to learn, is that, you know, there is the contextual interpretation of a scripture, but at times the Holy Spirit can actually use a scripture to speak to you in a in an a quote-unquote out-of-context way, but that is not, that's not for, like, everybody, you know what I mean? That is yeah. for you, for um, you. In, at a given time, you know, yeah. so don't go and make a Bible. Um, but yeah. I, just, just to get back to this, it's quite simple. He was saying that he can, he can do everything in terms of surviving, like, dealing with money. He said, I know what it is to in need i know what it is to have plenty like i've i've learned to be content in every situation and i can do this through christ who gives me strength so this is not a like this is not a get rich quick scheme or like some kind of manifestation <laughs> that you've never everything gone running I, before and today you wake up and you yeah. say i can i'm going to run 10 kilometers i can do all <laughs> things to try to strengthen me don't do it you will drown <laughs> you will drown <laughs> <laughs> but 
so yes, that that's the context in which um this verse was written. Wow, so it has very little little to do with physical strength and things that you cannot do, but more about how God can help you to basically like is what more or just like basically live in different exactly um, circumstances basically thrive yeah. not only survive mm-hmm. but thrive in different circumstances mm-hmm. wow i love that okay the second one on my list is all things work together that's what people quote so all things work. that's the, 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 the all things work together romans 8 28 please can you can you speak on that you know, Moyo, I feel like I'm noticing a trend because, again, I was just going to say the context of that verse is in the full verse, not just the first half wow. that people normally remember. So, again, I'm reading Romans chapter 8, verse 28, NIV. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's something that you know, you hear quite a bit in Christian circles, which is that every promise of God comes with a premise. And what that means is that before um, the promise of God happens or is like activated in someone's life, there has to be a catalyst that has taken place for it to occur. And from this verse, we can easily see that the catalyst is two conditions one is that that person loves god and the second is that they have been called according to his purpose so you cannot be first if you don't love god that means you know if you're not in jesus christ um, yeah if you're living in disobedience and just doing your own thing um still living by the flesh then god is not working things together for your good and i I even realized how harsh that sounds saying it but unfortunately that is what the scripture is saying so don't turn around you know and be like well why did this and this happen in my life and you know this happened and it's not working out for my good when you don't love god you're not called according to his purpose you know um and the second part about being called according to his purpose i feel like speaks to our role in god working things out for our good and something you know today's sunday i was at church and um my pastor said that when god created the earth he gave humans dominion so what that means is that god does not do things on earth unless he's doing it through a human vessel if that makes sense and it's not because he can't do it but it's because God works, God has created a system and in his system, he has given us dominion, he has given us authority, you know. So why I'm saying this is that God will not work things together for your good if you don't want them to work together for your good. You get like, God is not going to force you. If something bad, for example, happened and you are so determined to, for example, be sour about it be bitter be hateful Mm -hmm. and like that is how that is what you want your takeaway to be god is not going to force you you know but if you are walking according to his purpose and you give him that space to turn things around for your good then you see the scripture come alive in your life but again it's these premises have to be met before the promise can manifest wow wow and that even leads me to my next 
scripture, um, which is Psalm 37, verse 4, that says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you, give you your heart's desires. And I feel like this verse literally just summarizes everything Charu said about the premise, right, before the promise um, coming to pass. Because if you are not delighting in God, if you are not, you know, serving God, enjoying, like, your service to God, don't expect that the desires of your heart would be, um, you know, met. Tara, am I correct? Yeah, that is spot on, like you said. And I, I even think, you know, if we sometimes I think that, you know, when we read the scripture, we need to put on our thinking caps as Christians. You know, the desires of your heart. What if the desire of your heart is to murder somebody? Somebody, like, yeah. is God going to give you that that desire? Come on. So, <laughs> it obviously yeah. is. This is not a free for all scripture. That anything that I desire, God will give it to me. There is context because, um, you know, and I'm sure that people who have a relationship with Jesus will notice this. I know I have. I know Moyo has that when you are delighted in the Lord, the desires of your heart change. Like, True. You, you cannot very, very delight true. in the Lord and. You know, you might struggle with it, you might be tempted and so on, but you will not desire things that displease him. And so it's not even possible for, Let me, let's not even get into this, um, but I, I hope I hope that's <laughs> kind of been clear again, just that whole, there's a premise for every yeah. promise. Yeah, exactly. Like, even, you know, that point, Charlie, the point you just made about how God will not give you selfish desires. The Bible actually says this in the book of James, right? That the reason why sometimes some people pray and they don't receive what they pray for is because they are praying amiss. They are praying so that they can they can use those like answers to their own advantage. Um, and God will not, like Harry said, and like the Bible says more importantly, give you things that he knows um are not good for you. If you haven't learned anything uh, from this entire episode, like you've always been saying has sounded like gibberish to you, which I highly doubt. The main point that we've been trying to make is that read the Bible in context. Try and read full chapters. Try and read verses before, verses after. Try and read the full book, Seth. That's the best way to read it. Try and read the full book so you have like a general understanding and a complete, not even general, complete understanding of, you know, God's heart and God's God's word, right? And so, um, I think just to round up now, um, sorry, Moya, can I just say one thing? Is that in the spirit of everything we've been saying, you know, also don't take what Moya and I are saying as scripture like i feel like that's the point that moyo even made test everything so um don't just be like oh because you know tari said this and she knows when the bible was written and blah 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 (laughs) so everything she says is true that's something that i really have to keep in mind as i have followed certain bible teachers i've read commentaries is just remember that there's still a bit of people's opinion in all of these and just to test it and thank god you know god speaks to all of us god has a relationship with all of us um so you have direct access to him and he should be your kind of 
primary source of reference over and above any other human being. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Amen, actually. Amen. Amen. That, um, okay, so just to round up now, um, like I mentioned, um, I think we've spoken a lot about like the importance of reading the Bible and just why, you know, as Christians, we, we cannot afford to do life without without scripture. Um, so what advice, sorry, would you give to someone who has listened to this episode and they're like, okay, I think I'm going to finally put like the sprinkle of Jesus aside and I'm actually going to like download the Bible apps now and I want to start like, you know, actually reading the Bible for myself um, and knowing God better. What advice would you give? Hmm. Um, okay, I think that I will give two or maybe three pieces of advice. But okay. the first one is to start with something that you like. If the Bible is a book that you've been struggling to read, that you find it hard to read, um, start with something you like. And I just want to say that this is not general advice for reading the Bible. If not, you know, you will never read the parts of the Bible that you don't like or the parts of the Bible that are tough. And that defeats the purpose of the Bible, which is, you know, to change our hearts, to transform us more into the likeness of Christ and also to know God better. So we can't pick and choose. But I'm just speaking, you know, from a... From a, I don't I don't want to say practical, but from a psychological standpoint that if you're already struggling to do something, don't make it harder for yourself. So if there's a book of the Bible that you like, I know that when I'm struggling to read the Bible, there are certain books I revert to. Revelation is one of them for some reason. Like I just like if if I'm struggling to pick up my Bible. I would hey, just sorry, read. Sorry, 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 you like reading the book of Revelation. Girl, you can bring me back for another you can bring me back for another episode wow. on that. Yeah. <laughs> I think yes, whatever you can have you back. Oh yeah, wow. um Revelation gets so much hate for no reason, but honestly that's a different conversation. But that's just an example. Yeah. Um, you know, go back to something that would encourage you to at least pick up your Bible every day because that's a starting point. Just picking it up is a starting point. Um, the second piece of advice I would say is, and maybe I should have started with this, is not to feel condemned. And that's definitely not, you know, the point of this episode. We want you to feel encouraged. We want you to feel, you know, empowered to go forth and get to know God for yourself. And when it comes to, you know, these things, I think the best way to look at it is I read a quote about investing and they said that the best time to start investing was yesterday and the second best time is today. <laughs> so, like, we can't change the past. You know, the best time to start reading your Bible was yesterday, but the second best time is today. So don't, you know, don't push it off. Don't... um don't allow yourself, don't allow the enemy rather to distract you or weigh you down with guilt and feelings of unworthiness. As I'm speaking on this um, podcast, you know, I, for months probably, I have really been struggling 
to read my Bible. Like maybe I've been reading verses, honestly, or when they preach in church and they um, re- reference verses. Or maybe I've read like one chapter the past few months. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't want to come on here and be like appear self-righteous or be hypocritical. I'm someone who, you know, loves the Bible, who loves learning about it. But like I still struggle and I go through like periods where I just don't read my Bible. Um, so I hope that encourages you know someone. And then the final piece of advice I would give is to remember that you're not doing it alone and that God is actually more invested in your study of the Bible than you are because God loves you more than you love yourself. God knows what the Bible what reading the bible what getting into the word will do for your life and you don't and he wants that to come true he wants to see you living in the fullness of christ you living life to the fullest which jesus died to give to you so me sometimes i look at some things and i'm just like you know what this is actually not in my hands as in like god is the one that's invested in this thing more than me so you know take the pressure off yourself take the pressure off yourself give the pressure to god say god maybe you wrote the bible you know you're the one who wants us to get to know you the bible says it is god who is um working in you to to do what pleases him yeah Yeah, to will and do what pleases him so that's honestly how i i would i would say you approach it god you are the one working in me it's not i'm not under pressure i'm not doing it in my own human strength but you're the one who is giving me um the power the strength and the grace to get into your word and then you walk in that strength you walk in that grace you walk in that power that he has given you and i genuinely believe that your um bible study life will not remain the same hallelujah Wow, amen, amen to that. Tari, thank you so much for your transparency and your honesty. I think, you know, it's easy to have that, like, mindset of, oh, like, Tari's a theologian. Obviously, like, she reads her Bible for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, she is always on new version. You know, Child. So. <laughs> <laughs> even, she has read all the Bibles, like, even the ones that are yet to be um, published. Time, please stop. <laughs> it's like you know you have your struggles and spirit of god is helping you daily just like tari mentioned you know even you didn't read your bible yesterday try again today and just let the spirit of god help you because he wants it more for you than you actually want it for yourself um and so i hope that this episode has encouraged you i hope that you've learned something new um and more than anything i hope that it has given you just a fresh like hunger and like interest for the word of god thank you so much Ari, once again we're so grateful to have you as our first guest on the podcast and we'll definitely be having you back any Thanks last words having me no i just want to say thank you for having me god bless you Moyo. um god bless all of our listeners as well bye guys thank you bye